Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. There's freedom in the name. There's salvation in the name. There's healing in the name. Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. I'm so glad we have a name that we can call on that's above every name that is named. Somebody shout Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. You grab your Bibles with me today and turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. Certainly give honor, honor to all of you all today. It is good to be in church, I'll tell you that. Thank you for all those that have prayed for me and and messaged and checked on me and thank you, I am much better and uh, much better. We uh, are not going to have service tonight because of the, just there's a, there's a lot of cases in our, in our morning services we can spread out because we have one service that's split nine and 11 and uh, the Sunday night would be full and I feel like it'd just be safest tonight not to have church. Um, but we are gonna have prayer revival this week. And uh, uh, typically there's not as many people at prayer as there are at a church service for whatever reason in Christianity that I haven't figured out yet. Uh, but we are going to have prayer revival. And, uh, but what is prayer revival? When we come in, uh, feel led of the Lord, we'll say we're going to pray about this tonight. we just find a place to pray. Music will be playing and we pray for an hour. And the greatest things that ever happened happened because of prayer. You believe that? Because of prayer. This nation was built out of prayer. It really is. Somehow in the United States are getting away from it. That's wrong. You take the church out of America, it would fall. The truth. It was built. It was built on that book right there. We're thankful for praying people. It's a good feeling. People, I, I would, you know, when someone's praying for you, I can feel it come over me. I can feel the refreshing of prayer. And uh, somebody calls and says, hey, I was praying for you. Well, I could feel it. And thank you. And we're praying for each other. And so thankful for the goodness of the Lord. If you're glad to be here, say amen. But one thing we don't want to do is, is, is cancel church on Sunday here. And I realize why, why we've got two services and so we spread out and be safe. And, and, but uh, I believe church is imperative. Amen. I'm glad to be here today. How about you? Aren't you glad? I believe it's mandated of God and, and so thankful, amen, to be in the house of the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. It says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's sons, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? What are you doing here? David, why are you here? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? It's not only questioning why he's here. He's degrading him. He didn't say, well, who's keeping dad's sheep? He said, no, those few sheep. What he was doing was telling him that he's insignificant. You don't even belong on the battlefield. Don't forget that Eliab knows who David is. Of all the brothers, it was David that was anointed to be the next king. And he wasn't allowed to tell anybody. He knew David was anointed to be the king. He can't tell anybody because it's a secret in Jesse's house. Because the prophet Samuel said nobody can know this. He was jealous of it. So he belittles him. He says, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? I mean, what, what did I do for you to talk like this? He hadn't done anything, but he makes this statement. Is there not a cause? I'm looking around, I don't see anybody else involved. Everybody's dressed up, but they're not doing anything. Is there not a cause to be here? 
Is there not a reason to be here? Two Sundays ago, I preached on this is my story. Then I preached on this is my song. Today, I preach on this is my cause. Look at two or three people and tell them you are needed here. How many believe there's a great cause to be a part of in the kingdom of God? Would you clap your hands and praise him again? Thank you, Lord. We make a joyful noise to you today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. There's no doubt that the story that is in this chapter is probably... Besides Calvary, the most famous story of Scripture. Every Sunday school class, preacher, young preacher, they're going to preach, teach on this story because there's a young boy involved that kills a nine and a half foot giant with a slingshot. I just so happened to buy Finn a slingshot for Christmas this year. And I just hope he doesn't break any giant windows in my house. Amen. But there is something about the story that empowers the little guy, the insignificant, seemingly. A story that builds faith that those with limitations can do absolutely great things. I mean, Goliath was nine and a half feet tall. His Spear was the size of a weaver's beam. The head of his spear weighed 15 pounds alone. If you ever swung a, a, a big sledgehammer, you know what I'm talking about, but to throw one with accuracy would be a different story. His coat weighed nearly 100 pounds just itself, weighed as much as a human, just the coat that he wore, uh, not counting the rest of some of the other armor that he would have had on him. Goliath was a champion of the Philistines. And here he is in the valley challenging the children of Israel, send me a man to fight. The battle's in array. There are thousands in the army of Israel that are lined on one side of the mountain. On the other mountain, there would have been thousands of the Philistines in their army lined up ready for battle. In the valley between is one man that is challenging the children of Israel to send their greatest champion to fight. But guess what? Around 40 days, there's no volunteers. Can I tell you today that it is not an accident, the timing of Goliath's appearance. Because now the children of Israel are at their weakest moment in decades. Why? Because they have an unsubmitted king by the name of Saul. Saul that was birthed in, in, in humility and that was called by God that when Samuel told him he'd be the captain of Israel, he said, me? You're talking about me? My father's house is the least in the tribes of Benjamin and we're, that's the least of all the tribes and I'm the least in the house? He was a man of humility that had somehow got lifted up in pride that started doing his own thing and he lost his anointing. It appears the enemy knows when you're weak. It appears the enemy knows when the church becomes weak because that's when he shows up. Have you ever noticed the nature of the devil? He never shows up when you're strong. That's why he's a snake. He's on the ground. He has no feet. He waits until you get a weak moment and that is when he attacks. That has what has happened in Israel. Is Saul is at his weakest place. The army, he's the captain of the army. They are at their weakest place. But what the devil didn't know and what Goliath didn't know, somewhere hidden on a hillside watching a little flock of sheep, there was a young man that was all about God's business and God's kingdom. He was worshiping and singing songs when nobody knew his name. Oh, clap your hands and thank God for the worshiper in the church. You might be here today and feel insignificant. You might be here today and say, nobody knows my name. 
But you might be here today and be the one that God wants to choose to bring a great revival to your family and even to this community. God has a plan for your life. Somebody shout, there is a cause. I haven't really come to talk about the detail of David killing Goliath. But I have come to talk about why he fought Goliath. David, David is on the hillside and, and uh, he, is, he is keeping his father's sheep. And, and while he's there, God calls the prophet Samuel to his house and, and he, he goes to Jesse's house, Samuel does. And, and uh, to choose the next king because Saul's been rejected by God. Saul had three opportunities to stay where he needed to be, but he failed every three opportunities because God is merciful. And God said, I'm going to replace you with a faithful servant. He, he, God calls the prophet to go to Jesse's house. And when he gets there, he says, I've, I've come here to anoint the next king. And, and he had to do it secretly because if Saul would have found out, we found out what happened when word got out that David was the next guy. Saul tried to kill him. And uh, he says, there's a king in your house. They brought the eldest to the youngest, seven sons up, starting with Eliab and then Abinadab and then Shammah, all the way down to the youngest, next to the youngest son. And when they get there and he says, God hasn't chosen one of them. He said, do you have any more sons? Yes, I have one. Where's he at? He's keeping my sheep. You know what I've learned is there's a difference between gifting and anointing. Everybody in the room has specific giftings. Some people can sing and some people can't. How many know that's true? Uh, and uh, then there's some people that think they can sing, you know. That's a whole other category that's terrible. Uh, you know, some people aren't musically inclined. Some people can't keep a pitch. Some people, some people aren't school, skilled in some areas. Some people aren't called to preach. Some people aren't called to sing. Some people aren't called to do music. Some people aren't car, called to do carpentry. Understand? Some people aren't good at math and another is. All of us in the room have different giftings. And I'll talk at some point about my gift or your gift today. But I want you to understand here, but there's a difference between being gifted and being anointed. A gifted singer and anointed singer. A gifted preacher or an anointed preacher. A, a gifted a worship leader or an anointed worship leader, a gifted Bible teacher or an anointed Bible teacher. There's a difference because you can be gifted and not anointed. I've seen people that were gifted who became anointed and then I watched them as they became unanointed when God put his hand off their life because they turned the calls all about them. We see that in Saul. Saul was called by God, became anointed. The Bible says he was anointed of God. And then God removes the anointing from his life because he had turned the kingdom to him instead of focus on that it is God's kingdom. The question is not whether you're gifted or not today. The question is, are you anointed or not? When God places an anointing on somebody, it's because they're selfless. Somebody that becomes anointed, they're selfless people. They're a, per, a person that has self-denied themselves to do what? To be focused on what God's business is. You'll find that Jesus, he was anointed, was he not? The Spirit of the Lord was upon him and anointed him to preach the gospel. But he was what? He said, I must be about my father's business. When David was called and was anointed with the oil of Samuel, the horn of oil that poured over his head, and the Bible said the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. What was he doing? He was taking care of his father's sheep. When Saul was the anointed king before him, you'll find he was taking care of his father's donkeys. What that meant was is the person that becomes anointed is willing to serve without self-reward. They're willing to serve you to see the benefit of another person without, with, with, with uh, no personal gain from that. And that's what God wants from his church. He wants people that want to serve him, not looking for personal gain out of that. Probably one of the greatest doctrines of Christianity is the doctrine of self-denial. The doctrine, everybody say the doctrine of self-denial. What is that? Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you got to take up your cross. You got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow 
me. Not, not incentivized that I'm doing this to get this. I'll, I'll do this if this happens. That, that's not who God anoints. God anoints a person that can see the cause and get involved, self-invested, and said, that's my cause. I want to be a blessing to this cause. I want to be involved in this. And when God sees the selflessness of that, he says, I can trust somebody that's not looking for the benefit of their gift. But they want their gift to benefit somebody else. And when that happens and God pours an anointing on that purpose, upon that person with purpose, guess what happens? That person can do supernatural things. It changes the way they look at things. Are you hearing what I'm preaching today? I'm not talking about just gifted. I'm talking about becoming anointed. When the anointing comes on, David's keeping his father's sheep. A lion comes out of the woods and grabs one of those lambs. What does he do? Well, hey, I'm not chasing that. My dad wouldn't expect me to chase that lion down and risk my life to save one of those lambs. I mean, my lambs, there's, there's 30 other lambs. Just let it go. That's what would happen on a common sense day. Are you with me? When the bear comes out and grabs a sheep, well, you know, uh, I'll, do, I'll try to build a fence and do something, but I'm not chasing that bear down because my father wouldn't expect me to fight a bear, especially all I've got is a slingshot. Are, are y'all hearing me today? But the anointing changes the perspective of the view of the enemy and the value of the sheep. And what happens is when you're anointed, you don't see the, 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 the size or the strength of the enemy. You only see fulfilling the cause in which you've been called. And that is to be the shepherd and to protect those sheep. That's why when he was anointed, he ran after a lion and destroyed it with his own hands. He ran after a bear and destroyed it with his own hands. Why? Because he knew his purpose was to protect and keep the sheep. What I'm preaching to you is you might be gifted with a slingshot, but when the bear comes, you know the slingshot ain't gonna kill a bear. But when you become anointed, you realize that greater is he that is in me and that which is with me than that which is against me. It will allow you to cause, see bears and minimize their strength. Lions and minimize their ability because the anointing will cause shy people to become bold. It'll, be, it'll cause weak people to become strong. The anointing will make men out of boys and women out of girls that become responsible and they will see supernatural things in them because they know I'm not here by myself when I'm anointed. I've got something with me that's greater than that which is against me. Somebody say amen. We've got to talk about this. Because I'm not talking about just being a church member. I'm talking about being a son of God. I'm talking about being a child of God. I'm talking about being involved. We sang it here today. There's an army rising up. When the anointed of the Lord, Jesus said it in Luke, in Luke chapter 4 and 18. Jesus, this is a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 60. But when you look, look at Luke 4 and 18. Watch what it says. I do, I feel the boldness of the Lord here today. When the anointing comes on me, I'll preach bold, I'll say things I normally wouldn't say on a logical day. And when the anointing leaves me, I look for a back door to go hide, you know. I can't believe I said that. I've called people out and prophesied. I've said things that were not in my notes, that I hadn't planned, that, that, that I was nervous to say it. But the anointing allowed me to see the cause of it, the purpose of it. What I'm saying is, you can just be a church attendee and just go. You, you get all dressed up, come to church, and uh, you know, I got all dressed up here today, and, and, and come here today. You're, you're all of you, you're all dressed up here. But why am I here? Why am I at church? Why am I singing? Why am I worshiping? Why am I reading my Bible in the mornings? Why are we calling a prayer revival? Why? Because there is a cause and in the anointing of God when it falls upon your life it will allow you to see the purpose of your life the average person in college I was telling Lagan this the other day the average person in college changes their major six times 
The average person in America changes their major, uh, their career 14 times in a lifetime. That's a lot of finding out what you're made to do. And we, we live in a, in a culture, uh, we live in a culture where people don't know themselves. What's so powerful about the church is that when you come in to the church and you give your life to the Lord, that what he does, he enfolds your purpose and your true giftings out in front of you. He lets you see the reason for your existence. Are y'all with me today? Listen, yesterday's the first day I had a suit on in like a week. I, I mean, that's a long time for me to be without a suit. Can't say it. That set felt pretty good. No suit for a week. We have purpose when we come here. And all of these people, when you come into the church and you're, you're trying to find, well, what's my reason for existence? Do you know the word sin? Everybody say sin. It's three letters, sin. The word sin by definition means to miss the mark of your destiny. God didn't cause us just to have a 40-hour week job. Two or three vacations a year. Eat too much at holidays. And then repeat January through December the following year. And then when you get too old to work, you store up a nice bank account and go travel here and there and just see the country. I mean, that's part of our existence, but that's not why he made us. Why are we here? You have to go to Genesis. He made Adam and Eve to be in relationship with him because the heartbeat of God has always to establish a kingdom on this earth that he made for those that were made in his image. Always. God wants a relationship with you. And guess what? He wants to be God. He wants to be the Lord of your life. And he wants you to trust him that he knows your tomorrow before you ever get there. So you go to him first. What would you like me to do today? What's your plans for my life? Do you know the Bible depicts him as one that declares the end from the beginning? Let me tell you what you don't want to do is to build a house and never look at blueprints. You know, I think we can just go this direction. It's going to be discombobulated. It's going to be confusing. You know what you do first? You look at the plan. It sure is quiet in here. Are y'all with me? Everybody say, he declares the end. A wise man is going to declare the end from the beginning. And what you're going to do, you're going to say, hey, I like the house to be this many square feet, set on this side of the hill. This way I want the landscaping. I'm going to have it. It's best. And you put on blueprint. This is where the, Brother Luke, you appreciate that the blueprint has the electrical where it's going to go and where the box is going to be and, you know, and uh, the plumber and where the plumbing's and where the source is going to come. You lay it out. You can see it on paper. And guess what? You, you see the end result before you ever get started. And then you build from the foundation up and you work toward the end result that you've declared before you ever dug a hole in the ground and poured the footer. Did you know your life is that way? That before you were ever conceived in the womb, that he had a plan for your life? He had a purpose for you? He desired you the way he did? And your personality is different from mine, I'm thankful. Your giftings are different from mine and I'm thankful. You like things I don't like and I'm thankful. Because if we all like the same thing, same giftings, same death, we couldn't work together. There'd be no room for one of us. But God designed you specifically. Can I preach what I feel here today? He designed you specifically. He designed you differently. You've got different personality. You like things different. For some people get up here and preach, it would be absolutely World wrecking for them. If I went and handed just some of you the microphone right now, I said, all right, you finish this message. You would hate me. Am I right or wrong? Some, they're not called to do that. But it doesn't mean they're not called. He's designed you for a specific purpose with specific giftings. You know what he's waiting on? You to give it to him so he can anoint it. 
And once he pours the anointing of his spirit over you, that it's approval in the direction that you're going. But you will not use that outside of what it was called to be used for. That it's designed for a specific cause. And I feel like preaching to you today, to miss that is sin. We label sins as lying, cheating, alcohol, whatever it might be. But sin is to miss what he designed you to do. That is sin. Probably one of the scariest verses in the Bible. You know what it is? That which is not of faith is sin. That which is not of faith is sin. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, when the country's the happiest is when they're focused on the Lord. Come on, let me just put it this way. Let me tell you, when you are your happiest, when you've got God number one in your life, because you feel a sense of fulfillment, because you know you are fulfilling your God-given divine purpose. That's why we've got that sign out there in the foyer that says restoring lives, restoring people for a greater purpose. And so watch this. Bear with me. Everybody hold your hand out like this. Bump your neighbor. There's only two kingdoms. It's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. You might have many nations, but there's only two kingdoms. Everybody say the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Guess who the God of this world is? It's Satan. And he showed up in the garden when God was established in a kingdom with Adam and Eve, did he not? He showed up in the garden, that old serpent, the devil, wrapped himself around that tree and lured her away first from what God wanted her to be. Why? So she could fall into destruction. You see it all through scripture. You see it all through scripture. You see it in the New Testament. Jesus said it this way. He said, be careful for straight is the gate and broad is the way which leads to, everybody shout, shout destruction. He said, many go that way. He said, but straight is the gate and narrows the way which leads that life and few there be that find it. What he was talking about, there's only two directions. You're either going toward God or you're going away from God. You're either submitting to God or you're submitting to the kingdom of this world. And in this world, you have pleasure, but it's for a season and it always ends up in bondage. But when you give your life to God, amen, it's joy unspeakable. It's full of glory. Amen, my cup runneth over. God brings blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. I have to say, and tomorrow I'll preach the funeral of Brother Liggett. He, he gave his giftings and his talents to build the church and refurbish this building. And when I was with him on a Monday, I think it was two to three weeks ago that on a Monday, he was talking about not taking dialysis anymore. He said, I'm only living to, I'm only living to go to dialysis. And uh, his feet were starting to, spots on his feet and had an amputated toe. And he said, I, I'm in pain, I'm just miserable. And he said, I'm ready to go home. I feel like I fulfilled my role here. I'm ready to go home. And there was, Sister Liggett could tell you, and she's not here today, but uh, Sister Jeannie, I was in that house and you could feel the peace of God that was there because he was ready to go home. He, he, you're gonna hear a great story tomorrow from him that'll be at the funeral and I won't share it before. It's gonna be a powerful statement and a video that he made. But what I wanna say to you today is the mercy of God brings us back to where we're supposed to be so we can fulfill what God called us to do. You know why he went to Calvary? To save us from our sins. Not just lying and cheating, those things that you can name, but to save us from missing the purpose of our existence. It brings us back to square one and you get a second try, a second start to become what God designed you to become. And it's not just living the American dream. It's fulfilling the purpose in the kingdom of God to see what God wants to come to pass. That's what this is all about. Somebody shout, God wants to establish his kingdom. Amen, on this earth. We call it the kingdom of God. Somebody shout the kingdom of God. And so this is where, this is the setting. And I told you Luke 4, 4 and 18, when he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What he was saying was this. He's anointed me to reverse the curse of what sin brought into people's lives. Blindness and bondage and addiction and fear, anxieties and trouble. He has anointed me to reverse every curse that sin brought in. Can I tell you, that's the purpose of the church is to stand between the sinner and their chaos and say there's a better way. There's power in the anointed preaching of the gospel. There's power in the anointed singing of the gospel. And so people can find their purpose I wish I had some handcuffs here today. I don't. It's amazing that when you walk out away from God and you choose to leave, come here, Seth, is when you choose to leave and you go the other direction and you're like, oh man, this is fun. You do your own thing. You're cool. Hang out with whoever. Do whatever. Consume whatever. There's no law. It's lawlessness. And it's a blast. Because nobody's your boss except you. Isn't that scary? Do you want you to be your boss? Let me just ask you. You want to be your own? Oh, my goodness. You know, you know the truth of the matter is Jesus came to save us from us. Because you're a bad boss. You lead your, if blind lead the blind. Are you with me? And you go, and what happens? You get far enough away that when pleasure of sin is over, here comes the handcuffs. And it's strapped to weights. And one after another, he straps you. One thing, one broken relationship. Now distrust is a part of your life. Now you're wounded. Now here's, here's, a, here's a shame, and it's weighing you down. And that's what, that's, what, that's what Goliath was saying when he stood in the valley and screamed, send me a man to fight. This is what he said. He said, if you conquer me, we'll be servants to you. He said, but if I conquer you, him, he said, you and your children will be servants to us. The goal is that you step into the bondage of the kingdom of this world. That's the goal. Is that you do not fulfill your purpose and that you become bondage to the God of this world. Are y'all hearing me today? Come on, that's, that's, that's the Bible in a nutshell. That, that's it. It's in, it's in its simplicity. Is if I conquer you, it's over. You become servants here. And he, he looks around because that's the goal. Seth, that's the goal. That's what the devil would love to do in your life. Young man with gifts and talents, he'd love to pull you away from the church and strap you down with the grits. Had a guy at my house yesterday. He said, I walked away from the Lord. He said, because I got offended. He said, years away from God. He said, I show them because somebody offended me. He said, I realized the only one that hurt was me walking away. He said, I should have stayed and just dealt with it because there's nowhere else to go. When you walk away from the Lord, that's what's going to happen. You got a lot going for you, but you walk away from God. Here comes the shackles. Here comes one thing after another, the chaos and the confusion. How many know it's true? I've never seen one person walk away from God that came back and said, I'm so glad I did. Typically, they come back crawling, wounded. Proverbs 7 says, she's cast down many wounded. Many strong men have been slain by her. And you realize that there's a war between the, what God wants to do and what the devil wants to do. There's a war between what righteousness can have and what bondage can bring and sin. Can I tell you there's a cause? Because when the preacher preaches, it's the opportunity for somebody like this right here. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
You know what's so powerful? You can have 37 years of shackles and regrets and shame and mistake and you hear the gospel and say, I don't want to live this way no more. I don't want to live this life anymore. I don't want to be in bondage to the Philistines, the world. I don't want to live. I want to be free. And guess what? You can run to the altar and in one moment, you can get up and everything he strapped on you has been cut. It's been removed. It's been, you've been delivered. And you can go back to your purpose and your destiny, what God called you to be. I want you to clap your hands and shout amen. That's why the Bible says, he whom the son has set free is free indeed. You can come broken. You can come in bondage. You can come in sin. But when he forgives you and he sets you free, he puts you back in a place he called you to be. The giftings are there. He'll put a desire back in you to do what? To fulfill the cause he called you to be a part of. Clap your hands and praise him. Amen. That's why we preach in the jails. Because we believe there's people in the, in the jail that have purpose. That's why we visit the sick because we realize even people that are sick can be healed and get back to the purpose that God called them to be. That's why we let those that are strangers in our house. That's what he said. He said, I was a stranger and you took me in. Just because you don't have pedigree of Christianity in your life does not mean there's no purpose in your life. God saw you when you were broken. God saw you when you were alone. God saw you when you were rejected. And when you heard the gospel, he said, I can come out. I come to tell you, you can come out of sin. You can come out of brokenness and bondage and be what God wants you to be. I want you to stand to your feet and clap your hands and rejoice because there's power in the gospel. There's power in the gospel. Woo! Somebody shout, there's power. When we preach the gospel, something happens. Just remain standing for a minute. I don't feel near done preaching, but remain standing for a moment. You know where this thing took place at? It took place in the, in the valley of Ephes de Mim. It was a place in Judah. It meant the boundary of the blood. You know what I've learned? The devil doesn't want you to believe the blood can wash away all your sins and you get back to a place of new beginnings. Brand new start. Who'd ever thought, Carolyn, that you could have a brand new start? Who'd ever thought that you could come and have a brand new beginning? Who'd ever thought, Seth, that you could walk away from God, have all these things, and you come back and the Lord treats you as if it never happened? The devil does not want you to believe that he can forgive and he can forget and let you go and fulfill what God called you to do. But that's what, that's what this is all about. I'm preaching to you today, quit living in past regrets and start living in tomorrow's promises. Start living in what God said he can do. Praise God. Watch this before we're seated. Watch what he says. It's in the valley of Judah. And it's here that he says, if I conquer you here, he said, you're gonna be slaves to us. Where's it at? It's in Judah. What does Judah mean? Judah means praise. He understands that if I ever take your worship, if I ever take your praise, then you know what? You will be slaves to me. That's why it's written by the psalmist. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's so why when David repented and he fell into sin and he got back and repented, he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. We cannot lose our reason of praise. Amen. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. Then a little light from heaven filled my soul. That song said, you can't lose your praise. If you lose your praise, you'll end up in bondage. But you give me somebody that'll praise him, I'll give you somebody that'll have victory in their life. They'll have victory in their tomorrow. Look what the Lord has done. Be, be seated a minute. I, I won't be much longer. Somebody shout, praise him. Praise Gonna be a problem if we ever stop celebrating July the 4th. Celebrating what? Our independence. There ought to be firework shows. There ought to be parties in the street. There ought to be a celebratory thing to celebrate that we're free. We're not in bondage. We have freedoms and liberties. 
We can't have a cancel culture canceling our reason for freedom. Because if we ever forget where he brought us from, we will not know why we are here. We won't know what brought us here. But there were young men your age that fought to keep us free. There were men your age that fought to keep us free. The average age in the army was about, then was 19 to 21 years old. And it troubles me today, it troubles me today that to get people to join the military is if you join the military, we'll pay your college and I don't know, give you $40,000. I'm not sure what the incentive is. But it's no longer to fight for our freedom because we forgot the cause. We forgot that it is fighting and still having a military that keeps us free because every day we get up, China would like to take our freedom from us and guarantee you Russia. I mean, that's true. And for what I find out, the old bear and the old dragon are coming together right now as the revelation says. Watch it. The bear and the dragon. They love to remove freedom. I mean, no, there is a battle between communism and democracy. And we don't hear about it anymore because the flag is now an insult. And July the 4th is now an insult. We've got to be careful. I didn't mean to get political, but here I am. Can I get passionate about something here today? And the day we walk through the doors of the church and we come in and we sit there and say, well, that's not my favorite song, so I'm not going to worship today. And uh, the preacher's off a little bit, so I'm not going to amen today. And we forget the reason we're here. The reason I'm here is because he set me free. And the reason I'm here is because I'm going to help somebody else get free. So I'm going to praise him through this. I'm going to praise Come on, I don't want God one day to think I'm not thankful for the blessings he's given me. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout praise him. Somebody shout praise him. When I was growing up, they'd sing a song, praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noontime. Praise him. Praise him till the sun goes down. Then we'd sing songs, I can't stop praising his name. We can't get to a place where we're at church. Listen, when we're planning for church, we're more focused on what restaurant we're going to eat at more than we are what we're going to do at church house. Do y'all hear me? Cindy, do you have plans where we're going after church today, by the way? Amen. Be seated a minute. Church just becomes this. And David shows up at a battle, and it's a battle between two kingdoms. Everybody hold up two fingers and say two kingdoms. I'm going to tell you, it bothers me. It bothers me to see so many people in bondage and addictions, bound by fear, bound by so many illicit things. It bothers me to see so much suicide and overdoses. It bothers me. It troubles my soul. It troubles me to see the direction that this young generation is going. It bothers me now that the cultural fad among our young people is to be an atheist. It bothers me. It bothers me. And when David shows up at the valley of Ephes to him and the field of thousands of them are lined up in, in their army fatigues and he shows up, you know why he came to the battle? He came because his dad said, I need you to go take some food to your brothers. Uh, to uh, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. I want you to go, I want you to take them some corn, some bread. As a matter of fact, take the leader of their thousand because they had captains over thousands. Take them, take him some cheese. David shows up and he, he gets there and he's delivering. He's, uh, uh, what, they, what they call it now? now? Now people can sit in their house and order a cup of coffee. David's first DoorDash. <laughs> David shows up with DoorDash cheese. Cheese curds, I don't know. He shows up and he's got corn and bread. But when he got there, it bothered him. Are y'all here when I'm preaching today? It bothered him, Brother Mark. Brother Mark Mitig, it bothered him when he's there and everybody's dressed up and nobody's doing anything. And from the valley, a nine and a half foot giant, not just a giant, but he's a champion, armed to the T, a sword, massive, shield so big, some, he's got a sword and a spear and somebody else is carrying his shield. Read it. 
his shield was probably massive. And he's there. Send me a man to fight. 30 days later, nobody's volunteering. You know why? Because their captain is no longer anointed. So they no longer can see what God can do. They can only see what they cannot do. And that's a problem is when the church becomes not anointed. You can only see what we're not instead of really what we are. Send me a man to fight 40 days. And David comes up there and he hears him start degrading God, degrading people of God. It troubles him. So he goes to somebody and he says, what's going to happen to the person that conquers? Watch this uncircumcised Philistine. Everybody hold up two fingers. There's only two types of people in the world. Are you ready? Circumcised and uncircumcised. Two kingdoms. The elect of God and those that are not. Am I right or wrong? Read the whole, whole Old Testament and that's what you find. Seed of Abraham, those that were not. Oh, by the way, if you wanted to become a Jew, you could become a Jew. There's the law of the stranger. Read about her, Rahab. What's going to happen to this uncircumcised Philistine? Oh, oh, have you heard the incentive they put out? Have you heard the recent incentive? He and his father's house never have to pay taxes again. As if that wasn't good enough, you get to marry the king's daughter. You actually become a royalty if you conquer Goliath. Folks, he was not asking because he needed an incentive. He already knew his cause. And it is not the will of God, hear me, to be all dressed up and not involved. And when he showed up at the battle, everybody is dressed up for war by the thousands, but nobody's engaged. Can I say it, tell you this? It's possible to go to church and be all dressed up and not engaged. But that's not the will of God. Can I just put it this way? Mary Williams never sang a solo as long as I was pastor. She never preached a sermon, but she was engaged. At 95 years old, back at her seat, worship was in her spirit, prayer. She'd come in, she never forgot a face, never forgot a name of somebody. She was engaged, she was involved. She believed that she had a divine purpose being here. She gave, she, she was plugged in. What I'm saying to you, you don't have to be the preacher, the keyboardist, the singer. You don't have to sing like Brother Nehemiah. You don't have to play the keyboard like Sister Caitlin today. But can I tell you today, but you've got to be engaged. And here's a powerful word. When you're anointed of God and called of God, you will win every battle that you engage in. Did you hear me? The anointed, Brother Tyler, will win every battle you engage in. But the battles you do not engage in, there will be loss. Man, I feel a strong word here today. That's why when I go to prayer and fasting, you can guarantee I'm about to win a battle. Somebody's about to be set free. Somebody's about to be delivered. When a church goes on a prayer revival, watch what happens. Somebody's about to get a breakthrough. There's about to be a deliverance. Something is about to happen. Let's all stand our feet and clap our hands and shout, there's victory in the room. There's victory in the room. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, there's victory in the house. You might think it's silly, but I believe when you show up at church and lift your hands, there's victory that starts permeating out of you. When you clap your hands and sing those songs, I believe victory is on the way because praise is a weapon. You know why praise is a weapon? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. And when God shows up in the praises of his people, the devils immediately starts being destroyed, being pushed back. That's why we gotta have church. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. It's Sunday morning, but I feel a stirring in my soul. I feel a war. There's an army rising up. When I look at these young people, when I see the people that have gathered, every single one of you that have come here, engaged and ready, you didn't have to come here. You could have stayed home. There's a lot of sickness. You didn't want to be here. You could have had a quick excuse. Nobody, but you want to be here. That's why you're here. David went to the battle because his father asked him to go. 
You know what I learned about David? David would do anything his father asked him to do. He had submitted when his father asked him to go, but when he gets there, he sees 40 days of no volunteers. An enemy that's an uncertain. Watch this. Look at your neighbor and say, not one time did David call Goliath a giant. I don't think he peeked down in the valley. His head might have been that big. I don't know. I don't think he peeked down there and saw that man roar and said, okay, hold on a minute. What are you going to give me if I whip him? I need, I, need a little, I need a little motivation. Oh, you don't have to pay taxes. You, don't, you get to marry the king's daughter. Okay, she's pretty good looking. I think I'll go fight Goliath. I don't think that's what happened. He was ready to engage the moment he opened his mouth. And there's voices against your family, against your marriage, against your children that are not of God. And David, David wasn't upset at his size. David wasn't upset at his sword. The thing that upset David was his mouth. I'm tired of voices influencing our children that are not of God. Come on, there's only two voices. This is the voice of, this, of God and the voice of this world. I don't want the wrong voices influencing me or my kids or this church. Can you say amen? It leads to bondage. Somebody's got to have a voice of hope. A voice of hope, a voice of reason, a voice of purpose. Amen. You don't have to live like the world. You don't have to lose your virginity before you get married. You don't ever have to have a cigarette in your mouth, alcohol in your veins. You don't ever have to have a drug. You don't have to ever have a pill. You don't have to have, ever have to have that. You don't have to know what it's like to be in a drunken stupor. You don't have to have or ever have to have a cuss word coming out of your mouth. Come on, it's, it's good preaching. That's not the American dream to be holding a vomiting your guts out not knowing who you are or what you did. But that's the voice of Goliath. And I got even greater news. You might have went down that road, but you don't ever have to do it again. There's a God that can pull you out. Listen, when the Bible says, for whom the Son is set free is free indeed, that means never again. I'm going to be treated as if it never happened. You can have a pure conscience as pure as a person that, never, that was born in this and never walked away. That's the mercy and the grace of God. That's why we do what we do. So they can stay saved. And people coming in can be saved. Work all week long and pray and seek God. To see a backslider come to the Lord and a sinner converted. That they come back and be a part of a kingdom that God's established in this city on this earth. Come on. There's nothing like it. When I was about your age and I came into the Lord... I just didn't want to go to hell. I'll just be honest with you. But I didn't dream it would be this amazing. I'm blessed. And come back in the house of God again and again. I lands. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a revival so powerful, so great, so many people come to the Lord that the discouraged, uninvolved get motivated and get plugged in. They're scared. They're taunted. The times, I feel, I feel a prophetic touch of God in this room even now. Listen to this preacher. Some people are so worried about the times. Their paralysis of analysis. What are we going to do? We've never had, we've never, we've never fought like this before. We've never been challenged like this. This is new to us. All it took was somebody that had been alone with God and anointed to see Goliath for what it was. He's just an uncircumcised Philistine. It's just, it's just a bear. It's just a lion. It's just COVID. It's just end times. But the church is going to thrive. It's going to thrive. Right. I don't believe he had fear because fear and faith cannot be in the same person at the same time.
You have one or the other. You either have fear or faith. When faith comes in, fear goes out. When fear comes in, faith goes out. Only time in scripture, he said, why? He said, you have no faith. He said, why are you so fearful? The anointing allows the lens to change to see what God's going to do instead of what the enemy can do. I'm going to tell you what I see. I see greatness in this country. There's going to be the greatest revival we've ever seen in this city and in this country. There's so many people about to come back to the Lord. There really is. There really is. There really is. David grabs a slingshot and runs after Goliath. In a scientific world, that would be called dumb. But in the kingdom, it's called faith. And he runs toward Goliath. You see, his brother in his jealousy made this statement. He said, you're prideful, you're naughty, and I know that you just come to see the battle. He missed it 100%. Because he didn't come to see the battle, he came to win it. There's a difference between spectating and engaged. And he understood. I'm going to tell you, I'm talking about the kingdoms. Everybody say two kingdoms. Watch. watch. When he ran after Goliath, he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. What was he saying? I come in the name of the king. I come in the name of the king of this kingdom. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. That word host actually meant innumerable army of angels. You can't measure what's with me. He understood, if I engage in the battle, I'm going to win the battle. But if I spectate, I'm going to end up in bondage. To be not involved is to become in bondage. And the family. To be become involved is to win and have victory. Now, I know, I, I, I'm done. I could, I could preach on. Uh, There's going to be a revival that's going to break out that the uninvolved will be involved. The discouraged will be encouraged. Churches are going to wake up and have great revival. Not Listen, not just in the apostolic church. In different denominations are going to be a shaking like this. An old-fashioned revival is going to happen in different denominations in the end time. But somebody's got to be the David. Somebody's got to be the engaged. Somebody's got, somebody's got to realize I've got a cause. I've got a cause. So I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. That's why we're calling it a prayer revival because we believe engaged battles always have victories. I want you to look at your neighbor and say an engaged battle will always have a victory. How many have, how many have a family member you want to see saved? Raise your hand. How many have some things that you want God to do? Man, I've got dreams and aspirations and visions for this city. I do. I love Zanesville. I love Southeastern Ohio. But they need deliverance. Our kids need a revival. I believe we can have a youth revival that's so powerful. We fill the sanctuary up here with just teenagers alone. Just teenagers alone. Eden, do you want to see it? Run up to this altar. Emily, do you want to see it? Run up to this altar. Lauren. But the young people got to want it. Don't just wait on sister up to grave or brother up to grave. Young people got to get engaged. And if youth is engaged, there was a youth group one time got so fire on fire for God. They, they started their own prayer meeting outside of the church service. They got on such fire for God. I mean, they were fasting and praying, had their own prayer revival. That a guy pulled into the parking lot and when he pulled in the parking lot, he pulled into the wrong parking lot and the young people just have to be out there after a prayer meeting. And he got turned around in his semi and they gathered around him and, uh, to help him, talk to him. He felt God so powerful, he stepped out of his semi and repented of his sins and God filled with the Holy Ghost on the parking lot. Because engaged battles always have momentum. Do you hear me? I believe there can be a revival so powerful. People driving down the road say, I feel something. I got to go back to that church like Bessie Lyons. I believe it's going to happen. I believe it is happening right now. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I will be engaged. I will be involved. <laughs> Hallelujah.
Come on, mama. If you're here, you want to see revival in your children, I want you to come. Be safe today. We're not asking you to lay hands on anybody today, but I want you to come. You want to see revival in your family? Get involved with prayer and fasting. Come on, ladies of the church. Come on, men. I want to see my kids do better. I'm going to get involved with prayer. You can pray in the secrecy of your bedroom, Dad, and God bring deliverance to your children. But get involved. Get engaged. I'm going to get engaged in worship. I'm going to be engaged in prayer. I'm going to be engaged in the battle. This is my cause. Satan, your kingdom's coming down. Hallelujah. God gave you a voice for a reason. God's given you giftings for a reason. He's just wanting to, you to give it to him so he can anoint you. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.